Definitively Speaking is a definitive healthcare podcast series recorded and produced in Framingham, Massachusetts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence, please visit us at definitivehc.com. And welcome to another episode of Definitively Speaking, the podcast where we have data-driven conversations on the current state of healthcare. I'm Justin Steinman, Chief Marketing Officer at Definitive Healthcare, and your host for this podcast. We're living in a time when customer experience matters. From McDonald's to Marriott, from Salesforce.com to IBM, from your local bank to your local movie theater, everyone seems to be laser-focused on improving the customer experience. It's the way to beat the competition. Healthcare, and in particular hospitals, are no different. While no one wants to be a consumer of a hospital, aka a patient, the reality is that almost every single one of us will spend some time in a hospital at some point in our lives. And you deserve a good experience in that hospital. Now, if you're like me, the last time you were in a hospital, you might have thought to yourself, you know, this could be so much better if only. And that's where today's guest comes into play. Dave Bennett is CEO of PCARE, an industry leader for interactive patient experience solutions. According to the PCARE website, interactive patient experience solutions help healthcare providers engage, educate, and entertain patients across the care continuum. The PCARE Open platform integrates with existing EMR and EHR systems, patient portals, and mobile health applications to connect patients, families, and caregivers. PCARE has been recognized by Class Research as best-in-class for interactive patient systems. Dave's been around healthcare for a long time, serving in a variety of executive roles at places like ViMed, GetWell Network, and StayWell. So I'm sure he'll have an informed perspective on a variety of issues facing the healthcare industry today. Dave, welcome to Definitively Speaking. We're happy to have you. Hey, Justin. Thanks. Looking forward to talking with you today. Great. All right. Let's get started with what I hope is an easy question for you. What's wrong with the patient experience at hospitals today? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. It's certainly almost a loaded question. I think there's a, there's a lot that, that really is to be desired with uh, the way that we engage and interact with patients. It's really not an overly consumer patient-friendly environment in many cases. So I think uh, people really need to, to have a better understanding of what to expect and then really what the outcomes are going to be. So I think that that's a big area. It's a lot of lack of information in some cases. Got it. And so it's a lack of information, lack of information for the patient, for the family, for who? I think it's primarily, uh, it would be the the family member, the family members and the patients. And I will tell you, I I look at this from a personal experience standpoint nowadays, uh, having having actually had my wife go through um, a very serious illness recently and, uh, and actually being the caregiver. So I do think that the, I think the lack of information is um, and, and better understanding of uh, where you are in your healthcare journey, what I face, what I need to do. Those are areas that uh, offer, offer huge opportunities for improvement overall in the patient experience side of the house. Got it. So, so how does a interactive patient experience solution kind of address that information disparity? Sure. If you think about what we do, we really focus on one leg of that, your healthcare journey. We're, we're primarily on the inpatient side of the, the equation, meaning that our solution sits in the patient room and actually interacts directly with the patient and the guests or family members that might be present. 
So the way that it really does, uh, the way it really works is it's designed to do both engage as well as present a number of, uh, a, a lot of information related to why the patient's in the hospital, what they can expect. It also helps facilitate doing things like everything from meal ordering all the way down to more personalized uh, things such as the ability to, to entertain the patient or the visitor, right? Be able to watch movies, uh, ask questions uh, through uh, through an interactive uh, system that actually leverages the TV to do that, as well as I said, present other information about what might be scheduled that day for the patient. So both the family members, the guests, and the patient know what they can expect during their during their uh, their their day while they're in the hospital. So are you automating? I mean, obviously, people have been ordering meals in hospitals as long as people have been in hospitals, right? And there's generally been that TV with like three channels on, you know, in the top right corner of your room. Are you automating what was kind of a manual process? And then are you bringing it to like my iPad if I'm a patient when I check in? Yeah, we're actually automating the process. And we are to some extent bringing it to people's mobile devices. Obviously, the whole concept of bring your own device is very big. So we uh, so we have solutions that allow patients and family members to bring their own device. But we are automating a lot of processes that are still manual in hospitals. You'd you'd be surprised at the number of hospitals that still hand out a menu to the patient and a sheet that has to be checked off and filled in manually, uh, and then is passed back to dietary services where it's processed and ordered. So things like that we're automating. Also things that are very simple. So for instance, traditionally, if my room was dirty or I needed something specific, I might use the nurse call button and click that. And unfortunately, what it does is it might be calling the nurse or somebody on the clinical staff to respond to a need that the patient has. We have intelligent routing capabilities that actually would send that message to housekeeping or others so that we're not burdening the clinical staff, the nurse or the clerk up at the uh, up at the nursing station to to respond back, but the actual department or responsible party to respond back. So simple things like that, we we have the ability to automate uh, and make it much more seamless and actually connect the appropriate parties with the patient or the family member to deliver those services. You're making it sound like though, like a lot of these hospitals are operating in the dark ages. I mean, filling out a paper menu, checking a box and someone walking it back to dietary services, like, are hospitals really that outdated in their in their technology? It is interesting. Hospitals, uh, but healthcare in general, by the nature of it, do no harm. Uh, we're very conservative with the adoption of technologies, right? So, if you really were to look at where we're at on the technology adop- adoption spectrum, we're really lagging behind in many areas, right? So, some of that has been accelerated tremendously during uh, the COVID pandemic, right? Such things as digital check-in, the digital front door, right? Those things were accelerated. Telemedicine. The same hold true holds true for a lot of the inpatient opportunities here with patients. And yeah, like I said, you'd be surprised the number of organizations. I would I would venture to guess that the vast majority still provide paper menus or menus and the patient selects a meal through manual processes. These still continue. So they hold great opportunities to basically digitize and improve those sort of experiences uh, for sure. Um, But yeah, they still do that all the way down to uh, whiteboards, which are manually, a nurse might walk up there, write her name of the shift that she's on and maybe the three or four to do things that you have to do today. 
yeah, that's still written in in most cases by 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 a caregiver on a on a whiteboard that is then wiped off with an easy eraser, uh, more or less, versus digitized and pushing that information real time to the patient or the family member. You're saying the majority. So there are six thousand one hundred and twenty nine hospitals in the United States, according to the American Hospital Association. Are you telling me that three thousand one hundred of them are walking papers to order? Yep, I I am telling wow. you that. <laughs> oh my God, that is absolutely crazy. So why are these hospitals so far behind in their technology adoption? I get that they're conservative, but this isn't really putting patient health at risk, you know, automating your food ordering. It seems like there's just a ton of waste there. I think it's a number of factors. I think um, over the past decade, the prioritization for technology adoption has been driven by a couple of factors. And uh, unfortunately, some of those, and the largest one that we should be aware of is, has been the adoption of electronic medical record systems, right? The EMR systems are extremely costly, very, very costly systems, right? Frankly, over the last decade, they have sucked the oxygen right out of the, out of the room uh, because of the cost the technology burden, the resources that were needed to implement those. And as a result, a lot of other things basically took second place to that, right? When, when an organization, and some of the costs to do this are absolutely breathtaking. You're talking about organizations spending upwards of six, $700 million for large organizations to deploy an electronic medical record system. And that doesn't even account the ongoing cost to maintain and run those, right? Those are just phenomenally, incredibly large numbers for any organization to consume. Even smaller size organizations and hospitals that are still talking 20, 30, 40 million dollars to deploy an electronic medical record system. As a result, those things took precedent because not only did they impact clinical care potentially, but let's be frank, the EMR also becomes a, a tool that was really being driven by revenue, right? It's documents billing. It allows the organization to send out bills that helps them recover the, the money that's needed to, to provide care. So as a result, things that really focused on the patient experience were really taking second place when it came to digital interactions. That, of course, now over the past several years has percolated up to a higher level because organizations have said, you know, we're not really succeeding on the patient engagement, patient satisfaction front. And these technologies really hold future to promising better engagement, better satisfaction, basically better productivity. So I do think as organizations have taken their second breath now that they've they've you know deployed these large EMR systems, now they're basically looking at we really gotta focus on patient satisfaction. I will tell you one last thing uh, that's a big driver. As we have become much more consumer driven uh, on healthcare, meaning that healthcare customers and patients, now that we pay more out of, out of our own pocket, both in deductibles as well as other areas, consumers have become much more savvy when it comes to shopping for healthcare. As you're well aware, the federal government put these initiatives to post what it costs to go get a knee replacement or hip replacement. So consumers are much more savvy at shopping for healthcare. So not only are they looking for costs as a, as a burden, like where am I going to get a better cost and pay less, but where am I going to get better services? Where are hospitals ranking higher with patient satisfaction? So as a result, 
organizations are much more focused today than they were 10 years ago on these sort of uh, these sort of uh, metrics as well. So that's a really interesting question. Let me push you a little bit there. Do you think people are shopping for their knee replacement based on the quality of care that the doctor delivers in the hospital or whether, you know, they're going to get a good meal and, you know, their hospital room is going to be private and large? How are they making that stack rank decision? I think most consumers are really rely on they, they want to get a good doctor and they want a good quality outcome. So so I it'd be it'd be naive for me to tell you that they're focused on who's got a private chef in the organization. But I do think what will happen is if you're in an area where the others are comparable, I'm hey, I see this organization, I've got the four-star rating for orthopedic surgery. This place does as well. My doctor practices here or there, right? I think that little things all of a sudden start to play factors and swaying them. Like, hey, does, is this a brand new facility? What's it like? What are the amenities like? What are patients saying it's about? You know, some of that all boils down not only to having great doctors, but great, great nurses. Like if the nursing care and the comments back are, it was horrible to be a patient in there. The nurses were cruel and didn't really pay attention to me. Then it might be like, man, I'm going to have a world-class doctor, but if I've got to be in there for five or six days and the nursing care is that bad, do I, is that really the place for me to be? So I think people are weighing a little bit more of this. And I will tell you that also what's happening is, you know, and I think that you probably are experiencing this too, is the population ages. Many of us that are baby boomers or others are also intricately involved with the care of our of our aging parents and, and family members, right? So I often find myself in the middle of helping them make decisions. So I also am probably looking at things a little bit differently and saying, hey, you know, looking at this organization, they've got really great reviews here. They've got looking at their leapfrog reviews, they've got a reduced rate as far as hospital acquired infections, particularly as people in healthcare that understand this. And there's more factors that may weigh upon the reason that we select one provider over another. So, um, so I do think um, I do think it's uh, it's more more being more informed consumers. What's becoming much more important um, for for people at the end of the day. So how does a consumer become more informed, right? So if I'm going to go on vacation, I go to TripAdvisor and I read what everybody's written about. You know, the hotel I want to say it. If I'm looking at a restaurant, I'm going to go to Yelp and I'm going to see that out. If I'm going to the hospital, I'm frankly going wherever my doctor tells me to go. Are there like websites and people ranking and organizations like saying this is the best for like patient experience? Sure, there there actually are. So I will tell you a couple of things. So there are organizations out there, the federal government for hospital compare, for instance, uh, pu publishes updates related around several metrics around quality and patient satisfaction, right? Anybody can go onto those sites, uh, the hospitalcompare.gov site, and look at those ratings. Those are a snapshot. Really good organizations actually publish, are now publishing their Prescani and other patient satisfaction comments, right? So uh, some very early organizations like the University of Utah, I, I was out in Salt Lake City many, many years ago, were actually publishing the comments that the patients uh, reported back through patient satisfaction surveys upon post-discharge that ranked the organization, commented about physicians, right? So organizations are becoming much more transparent and providing that information out there. And then, of course, there are the other sites that you can go to, whether or not it's a WebMD, a HealthGrades, 
organizations like that that actually publish uh, patient comments and feedback related to doctor care or an organization. So the amount of data that's out there is evolving tremendously and it's much more open. Those organizations that are more than happy to share that are really are, are really out front in many regards because again, they're like, we're going to show you the good, the bad, and the ugly, but we're proud of where we are on this. And then again, there are other organizations like U.S. News and World Report that people turn to to look at hospital scores and ranking. That's somewhat controversial because obviously hospitals uh, more recently haven't liked the way that those grades have come out and argue that they're not really representative of, the, of that. But there's a myriad of data out there. And I think the big thing is how do consumers consume all that, digest that down? Social media, as you know, hospitals and healthcare systems, now through Facebook and other sites, uh, there's a lot of things being posted. I think the real challenge for consumers, frankly, is how do you digest that and make sense of it all and make and still make a good, a good choice um, here at the end of the day. So you're my expert here today. How does the consumer make sense of it all and make a good choice at the end of the day? I tell you, that's a very good question. And I will tell you, as I mentioned a little earlier, for me, I kid people, I tell people and back in September, I was promoted. I got a job beyond being the CEO of PCARE. I became the chief patient advocate officer for my wife. My wife was diagnosed with metastatic ovarian cancer. So um, uh, unfortunately, back in September. So I had to go down that route of becoming uh, not only an app patient advocate, but also a consumer of healthcare. So um, like others, I began a journey of trying to locate the best possible care for my wife. And that led me to go visit a number of organizations, some of the top cancer centers here in the United States, right? And I think that my journey led me down a couple of things. One is let me consume all the available content where people rank these organizations but also one of the things that's most critical when you select an organization is you as a consumer and a family member have to be comfortable with the people that are taking care of you, right? So not only do you want to know that the organization's the best or top rank for that particular type of care, but if at all possible, you should sit down and interview the doctors. You should meet them, whether or not it's via video conference or in my case, flying out and sitting down with them having them evaluate you when that's possible. And in some cases, that's not. And actually asking questions about your care. They're going to be the people that are going to guide you. There has to be an immediate, there's got to be a high level of trust between them. And again, nobody is a healthcare expert. I'm not an expert on ovarian cancer, but I can tell you I learned a tremendous amount both from interviewing people like you interviewing me, going out and talking to physicians and other healthcare givers, but also going online and using other resources related to that. And also looking at things like the organization that we were going to go to have surgery. What was it like? Do they have the right team there? How many surgeries have they done related to this? What are their outcomes like? Those are all questions that consumers should prepare to, to go out and ask. And, and again, remember that it doesn't just stop with the surgeon taking care of you or the physician. It's a team approach. What are the nurses like in the organization? What technology do they have in place that are going to allow me to better communicate with the organization? What things can they simplify? How can they help navigate the complexities of my healthcare journey? All those things you should ask as a, as a wise consumer, just like if you were going to go buy a house, you know, it's no different than you asking the people that own the house, the, potentially the neighbors, the realtor around the comps, 
driving around the neighborhood, going in and looking at the, how things work, the shopping centers close by. You should do all of that, particularly as it relates to your healthcare, because there are many things that are absolutely critical, uh, particularly on complex uh, disorders and treatments. And you as a consumer should take the initiative to do all of those things when, when at all possible. Sometimes that's not possible, but but if you have that luxury, I would strongly suggest that you do it and that there's nothing wrong with asking other people beyond your, just the doctor that may be taking care of you to go seek advice outside and ask others. Um, a, a good informed consumer looks at multiple options as well. So, so there's a lot to unpack there. I want to get there in one second. First, I want to ask how your wife is now. I, I'm very fortunate in May, we got the good news that my wife had no evidence of disease after undergoing chemotherapy and surgery. Unfortunately, you're never, you're never cured from cancer, but that's where we want to be, which tells me that we made the right, I believe we made the right choices. We had a phenomenal clinical team, absolutely terrific team of doctors and surgeons that uh, got us to where we wanted to be. So um, we're, we're at the best place that we could be on this part of our journey through uh, through healthcare. So that's great to hear. And I'm really thrilled for you and congratulations. I'm happy for both you and your wife. So now I wanna go back and unpack the, some of the stuff that you said because you likened buy, going shopping for care like to buying a house, right? And I would say kind of two things. Number one, the majority of people out there, the large majority don't, probably don't have the access to resources that you have as the CEO of a healthcare company, both in terms of you know, financially and also, frankly, in terms of your knowledge of the space, right? You know the questions asked. You've been doing this. You probably know a lot of people at the healthcare industry. And then you said, it's like buying a house. Well, when I buy my house, when I bought my house, I had a real estate agent advising me, a buyer's agent who knew like what questions to ask on my behalf. And then I hired a home inspector who knew all the stuff about the boiler system and the heating, I mean, stuff, I have no idea, but I wanted someone to say, yeah, Justin, your heating system's not gonna explode, you can buy this house. So how do you solve this? You know, you walk through a lot of very complicated stuff there. These are really tough questions. How does the average consumer navigate this? So let me tell you, I will tell you something that's amazing uh, that about healthcare. There are opportunities that are present that, that anybody can take advantage of without a tremendous understanding of healthcare. And you're right, I, I've learned, I, again, I knew nothing about ovarian cancer, but I took the time to get on and learn as much about it. I got on the YouTube, watch videos of physicians talking about treatments, and not everybody will understand all of that, right? Uh, but made some simple decisions based upon the way people talk, their competence level, things like that. One of the things that I have learned about physicians in general and, and people that are passionate about what they do is you will be surprised how many times out of the blue, I sent emails to a physician. I didn't never knew the individual. And the best of those somehow throughout their day took the time to respond back to me. It might not have been that day it might, when I laid out, hey, my wife and I are undergoing this because they are driven and compassionate about care. They, the reason that they're a surgeon for ovarian cancer, for instance, is because they want to help people. They want to help you cure, cure them. They knew nothing about me being the CEO of a healthcare company. To, the, to them, I was a human being that had a healthcare issue and they wanted to help me. 
And when I tell people, for instance, um, when I reached out to the head of ovarian cancer surgery at Sloan Kettering, who knew nothing about me, and the gentleman texted me and said, do you have time for me to call you back and talk to you about this? At that moment, he knew very little about me, but took the time coming out of surgery to reach out to me and talk to me. That's one of many people like that that I have seen. Uh, physicians, that, frankly, and those are the physicians, uh, simple encounter and level of compassion, humanity, tells you an awful lot about, is that somebody that you want to take care of you? Physicians are extremely busy people, but those that really are compassionate and want to play a major role are those people that you want to seek out and people that can find the time in their day to reach out to tell you, hey, I can help you with this. Or the, they might not spend an hour talking to you about you, but the fact that they reached out and said, let me get you in touch with my staff, they're probably worth considering. And, and I do think think that you will find those opportunities that present themselves. The other thing is you said, you may not be able to go and inspect and see how hospitals run. But the other thing is you will find all kinds of resources, some of them good, some of them bad through social media and others. I remember my wife reaching out and asking a bunch of people about this hospital she was going to be staying at and receiving a pile of solicited responses back some good and some bad that ultimately help you weigh out like, man, that place is, we don't want to go there for the following. I keep hearing this over and over again. Now, mind you, a lot of people will always are happy to tell you the bad thing about things and comment. Some of us that are satisfied don't always praise the great things that we saw and encounter. But I do think that there are mechanisms through today's technology to gather a lot of that information. Also, friends and family are a fantastic resource for all of us. I think when you sit down and you talk to your friends and family and say, hey, this is what I'm going for. Can you touch base and see if you know anybody that might have uh, talked or knows this doctor or, or knows that facility? Again, there are limitations on what we all can do, but you should, as a consumer, you will be surprised reaching out to an organization. Many of these large centers have the, have concierge services that are not designed for the rich and the wealthy and famous, but are designed for you to pick up their patient advocates. You can pick up the phone and say, hey, I would like to know about this. I've got this issue. And they will connect you with the appropriate people at those organizations uh, that can then have a conversation and maybe point you in the right direction or give you some advice. So there are resources out there that we all have access to, uh, regardless of your means. And, and you are right. I, I got to do some things that most people wouldn't do, and that's hop on a plane, go out, and actually meet face-to-face -to, -face to people. But I could tell you, having helped others with this, that may not be for everybody, but with the ability of video uh, teleconferencing, it's not too difficult in many cases to get on and interact like you and I are with a physician or healthcare giver at another organization, which isn't totally like being there, but there's an awful lot that you can gather from people's mannerisms, the way that they're talking or engaging with you that I would urge people to, to try to take full advantage of. So it almost sounds like the home inspector, if you will, is working at the hospital in terms of these patient advocates and concierge services. Do I have that right? They, they are, even though they are employees of, of the organization. I, I tell you, they're great resources. The other thing that people don't think about, too, is even your insurance company, in many cases, is a great resource. Many of them have healthcare navigators, particularly for very serious diseases like cancer and others. 
And you have the ability to reach out to them and say, hey, is there going to be somebody, our care coordinator, that's going to be assigned to me? Can I talk to them? And, and even though they're part of the healthcare or, or the, the, the payer in many cases, these people have worked with many, many organizations and are more than happy to share some of their experiences with you as well. And again, it's one set of data points that you could take in. And the trick is to assemble a lot of those data points to make a good decision. You know, this has been a really interesting kind of thread that we've gone down here because we started off by talking about the patient experience in the hospital. But what I really feel like we've talked about is that the patient experience starts outside the hospital these days. It truly does. I would tell you that if you're exactly right. It's everything starts outside when possible. There are going to be times where somebody ends up having a car, an unplanned heart attack and they end up in the hospital. Right. But again, there's a lot that can happen outside of the hospital. And I would point, I would tell you, I would tell our listeners to think about this. I'm taking care of two very elderly parents, both one in their early 90s and one in their early 80s. So I constantly think about things that we must prepare for as they get older and they they deal with things. So I'm thinking about everything from, uh, hey, is there a time where they're going to have to go into assisted living, right? Where is the best place potentially and the best doctors that I can help help them manage their primary care needs? So as we become this patient family-centered care and we have parents and others that we take care of, a lot of this is thinking beforehand planning. While I don't expect anybody to plan to get cancer, the reality is when you get that diagnosis, there are some things immediately that you can do to plan and, and make the right choices. And Sometimes it's not always, I got to go to surgery next week. I can tell you my case, had I listened to what was told to me and gone to surgery with my wife, I would be not telling you that we have no evidence of disease today. I would have had a, I would have had a good surgeon. The, the plan that was laid out was nothing compared to what was ultimately laid out and just conceived at a cancer center. So again, very serious things. It's good to seek additional advice and look beyond um, your immediate caregivers in some cases. But you're right. It begins outside the hospital. There are certain things that you need to think about that happen while you're in the hospital and then things that need to happen post-discharge from the hospital. Interesting. And if on the other side of the table, if you're a hospital executive listening to us today, we get a lot of folks like that listening to this podcast. It's really clear that EMR the return on investment, while it was expensive, theoretically, it should improve clinical outcomes. It should improve quality outcomes. It should, you know, take some, make your hospital operate more efficiently. I think the jury's still out whether that's all happening because based on some of the feedback here about EMR systems. Yeah. But do you think investing in the patient experience as a hospital executive has a hard ROI and can be quantified? It does. And I think some of it may, the argument may be, is it really hard or not? But I do think this, some simple facts that have been shared. If you look at what the lifetime value of a patient is to a hospital healthcare system, lifetime value is approximately a million dollars. Wow. So if a patient goes in and has an absolutely horrible experience as an inpatient, the nursing care is horrible. The meals are horrible. Things that may or may not necessarily impact the outcome. The patient may have an absolutely fabulous outcome, but the experience of getting to that outcome was less than stellar. They may say, I'm not ever going to go back to, to Main Street Hospital again because the nursing care was horrible. The nurses were, had a bad attitude. 
My room was crappy. Uh, nothing seemed to work. You're going to lose that patient. You, so as a hospital CEO or others, you're going to lose the potential of a million dollars that's associated with that patient. So you have got to think about that this experience transcends not only the beginning, but all the way through the experience inpatient and discharge. So it's imperative that you think about the experience and, and really satisfying the needs and improving upon that experience to maintain that relationship with the patient. For instance, I could tell you having a great relationship with the doctor is one thing, but you go into an organization and the nursing care is sub par because the nurses are traveling nurses or the nursing nurses feel underappreciated and that transcends into the work environment all of that is not a positive uh, you know positive experience for the patient and may lend them to say maybe we shouldn't go to this hospital let's find another provider and uh, and maybe my doctor practices here maybe we need to find another doctor as well so uh, so i think that those are the arguments that that's where the impact of the value is the other thing is, look, patients share bad experiences in the, in the hospital, right? They're the ones that are reporting back through Press Ganey or NRC, these, you know, these patient satisfaction data collection groups, bad experiences. If consumers are going to look at those experiences, read into it, that may impact whether or not they make a decision, particularly if they're a new patient moving into a new, uh, um, a new area, whether or not they decide to even become a patient with a physician that practices within that organization as well. So that's really interesting. Who's responsible then for the patient experience at the hospital? Are hospitals hiring a chief experience officer? Yeah. So over the past decade, many organizations have moved to to uh, patient experience officers, right? And they're, and they're executives within the organization or a chief patient experience officer, right? So that's a, that's a position that's been elevated significantly over the past decade, right? Another thing that's also been in line with that, I would tell you that's accelerated the adoption has been the adoption of these chief digital officers or chief digital transformation officers. And a lot of them have been focused on the patient experience, not that not the issue because, hey, we digitize the medical record system, but as the chief digital officer, what else am I going to do? What digital technologies can we adopt that are going to improve the overall patient experience within the organization? So now you have hand in hand where you have these two senior level executives that many times report up to the CEO and others that sit outside traditional CIO roles and others that are focused on patient experience, whether or not it's digital transformation or whether or not it's the actual experience, such as meals and treatment of patients and engagement within the organization. So an organization, the healthcare systems have recognized that those are critical elements within the organization. So you see very successful organizations have hierarchies where they have those people playing key roles reporting that are part of the C-suite that are playing significant roles in helping to evolve or improve those areas. Yeah, this, this has just been absolutely fascinating. It's really kind of, you know, meandered around the whole experience of a patient in the hospital. I got one last question for you here because you've kind of used these terms interchangeably a little bit in the podcast. I don't think they are interchangeable. You've talked about both patient-centered care and family-centered care today. What's the difference? I'd actually never heard of family-centered care before we start talking about today. When I say patient-centric, that was pretty much the way things 
used to be, right? Everything was very much focused on the patient. What organizations have evolved to now is family-centric care because they realize that care is a team sport, right? That it involves more than just the patient. There's the well-being of the family members during this journey and process, the need to have them involved, right? The best outcomes, particularly on complex uh, care, chronic conditions and that, is to have a team approach and the family, where there are families, become centered there. So organizations that not only focus on engaging and involving the family or the patient, but involve the family as part of that centered care model are those that, that actually have better outcomes. And meaning that at the end of the day, if I'm getting you ready to be discharged from the hospital for your care, if I only spend it with you uh, as the patient, that might be good, but there's going to be elements of care that are lost, instructions, the condition, things that I need to think about. But by involving the team, meaning the rest of the family members and making it truly family centric with the patient still at the center, but the family being surrounding the patient. So it focuses on the needs of the family and the patient. The outcomes are going to be better. Satisfaction is going to be better. The understanding of what's expected outside is all going to be improved significantly. We've done a terrific job at this, particularly in pediatric hospitals. Children's hospitals have always focused on family-centric care because adults obviously are taking care of children and, and you need them. But as our, as our parents and other members of our family age, they need more and more support around them. That's the family. Even as we've realized, like in my case, when I think about my wife and all the journey that she had to undergo, and where she was, where whether or not she was not capable or not feeling good or whatever, I played a tremendous role as a family member, helping coordinate patient appointments, reporting back problems with her, where she wasn't feeling good or complications to her healthcare team. That's why patient, patient and family-centered care is really critical to success. So I would tell you that while patient-centered is where we were, the future and where we are today is really what I would tell you is fam, patient family-centric care. And when I say family, family can be extended beyond just the immediate relatives. It can be cousins. It could be neighbors. It could be those that are part of the patient's journey and care to help them recover. I think that's a great place to, to end today, Dave. Thanks so much. I learned a lot. This was a really interesting topic. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate talking to you today. And for all our listeners out there, thank you for listening to Definitively Speaking, a definitive healthcare podcast. Please join me next time for a conversation with Steve Casey, managing partner at Omni Healthcare Communications. Steve is an industry expert in medical affairs with more than 25 years of experience working inside and with companies to optimize the role that medical affairs can play in the development and commercialization of both drugs and medical devices. Steve and I will chat about the changing role of the medical affairs professional and why they're struggling to demonstrate their value inside their companies. And I bet that Steve may even have an idea or two on how these medical affairs professionals can better demonstrate that value. I hope you'll join us. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence can support your business, please follow us on Twitter at DefinitiveHC or visit us at DefinitiveHC.com. Until next time, take care, stay healthy, and remember that patient experience matters.